Welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. This is the place to learn how to get through your worst rock bottom and start to embrace adversity. I'm your host, Petra Belzebor. I'm a therapist and a life coach, but my biggest learning is from my own rock bottom. My story includes being raised in a cult, dealing with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, and alcoholism. But along the way, I've learned to turn my entire life around to one of success, joy, and fulfillment. So in this podcast, I'll be talking to people from all walks of life who've done the same. I'll be teasing out the skills and tools necessary, as well as using my own experience to teach you how to turn your adversity into your biggest advantage. Welcome everyone to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm very excited today to welcome Mark Cook to the podcast. Um, we met not very long ago. Uh, he, he works for an organization called uh, Amy and I had the privilege of uh, speaking uh, with, with some of their employees around mental health awareness and training up some mental health uh, ambassadors and he was great because he backed me up in my training as far as uh, some of the stuff I was talking about. Um, welcome Mark to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Petra. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so what, what are you passionate about at the moment? I know we, we've only met briefly, and I was so excited to hear that you'd like to talk about some of your story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I left my career the last time around due to mental health um, issues, effectively. Yeah. Um, my workload got far too, too much, um, and... I felt, you know, far too much upon myself. I think I, I had put myself through a lot that year. Um, there was a lot of change, um, a lot of change work-wise and a lot of change within me. I was starting to realise who I was and and who my, you know, how my future was going to roll out. So the last time I, I had left Amy, uh, you know, I, I, you know, never never burned bridges because that's why, why I'm back in the, the company. So it was, uh, it's grand to be back, I must say, and and. When I seen that they were, we were starting to do mental health um, ambassador training, I, I thought it was a wonderful thing. Um, I, thought, I thought it was great because certainly last time I, that's what I felt I could have been doing with. Um, and, and certainly to represent it this time round um, is great. And it's certainly, you know, as I just mentioned, the off call that I'm moving roles, but it's great that this ambassador's program will be following me um, within the company as well. So. Yeah, it was so exciting to, to meet you and to uh, sort of have you involved and hear a little bit about your story. Um, for, for people who don't know, what, what kind of company is, is Amy? What sort of work do you do? Uh, just now, I am a safety advisor, so I basically work within health and safety. Um, and Amy's such a, a big, uh, it's a huge company. It's, it's huge. So it's everywhere, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Highways, schools. Yeah, railways, so um, sort of construction parts. and yeah, yeah. Litter. Um, I was I was working recently in the major projects area, which was construction mostly. Yeah, um, I'm moving to the London Borough contract, which is all facility management. So it's all buildings and you know hard services, soft services, cleaning, portering, security. So there's a vast amount of um, of activity going on in Amy. Needless to say, yeah, so much. Uh, and, yeah, and not necessarily the type of organization that you might imagine would focus on on sort of mental health as a key issue for their employees. No, absolutely not. And it's uh, you know, as I said beforehand, it's something that we have just turned a corner, um, thankfully on. Um, something that's it's also big focus within the the HSE world as well as mental health because we're starting to see 
massive links between mental health and obviously people going off work with it. And just the, the health and safety element is interesting because over the years, there's been a huge focus on the safety aspect. So yeah. um, how to put the checks in place, how to prevent you know accidents, that sort of thing. And people kind of forget that there's also the health element. Um, and I think it's amazing that workplaces in general are now beginning at least um, to, to focus on that asp- aspect of health and safety. Uh, absolutely, I totally agree there. Um, as, as you said, there's two elements to health and safety. Health is one, safety is the other. I think there is so much focus on the safety part that we seem to forget about the health part. Um, and, and for me, I you know I love the focus on the health part because I have the, the great image of that we should be going to work with a sort of clear mind, which then will lead to a safe working environment through that day. So It's all connected, right? Absolutely. If you if we don't have a clear mind, I you know then certainly I think we're we're chances of having an accident and that day is, is is going to shoot up a bit, you know. So yeah, and from from what from what I'm aware of, the the statistics around accidents have have completely gone down in the last sort of I don't know ten fifteen years, um, but statistics around <laughs> mental health seem to keep rising. Yeah, and that's I think this is something that the focus on it from the HSE and, and not even also HSE but other governing bodies. You know, as you've seen yourself, the NHS, the other agencies are now taking particular focus on it because um, yeah, men, mental health issues in the workplace are certainly is certainly rising. It's been all over the news. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've seen it everywhere, but we need to see whether you know. I think we've got a bit of work still to do. Um, certainly, in seeing where the connections lead, is it. Is it work life? Is it personal life? Is that a bit of everything? You know, and I, well, I think then for, is it all interrelated? Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, as I just related earlier on, I, I sort of I left, you know, maybe beforehand because I felt not not only that I, I missed I missed home to be honest as well, but my mental health took took a lot of that, and that's what made my decision quite cl- well. wasn't really clear, I would say, because my my mind was such a mess at the time, but um, I felt it was it was best that I left the, the company the last oh, thing just to, to look after yourself. I, I, absolutely, absolutely. Um, everything, as I, as I say, became so so much. The pressure became so so much that I I just you know never wanted to to be on this planet anymore. Um, and that so, was, so that you're was, saying it got so bad, just the the stress, overwhelm. I mean, when you say mental health issues, was would you say it was depression or anxiety or what was sort of yeah. building up for you? It was it was certainly depression. I was diagnosed with um, depression from my, my GP, um, and you know, my I had met. The, you know, the full story behind that year is everything was such a change. I I had, you know, I was a sort of team leader and for Amy beforehand and I, I'd taken such a big massive step in a role um, to, to basically do health and safety that was such a big change I'd moved from Glasgow um, to, to down south Liverpool um, I was travelling about a lot of responsibility it, it was I had 60 sites I was looking after 60 sites and um, you know doing driving I think I'd done average 60,000 miles that year Um yeah, which is and which just is missing awful. support networks and and family, as you said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'd, at the same time that year, I'd, I'd met my partner John, and um, I, it was the first time I, you know, came to terms with my sexuality, I suppose, um, which was a big, massive turning curve. From, and this from is as a as a grown man, right? As an as yeah. an adult. Yeah, you know, at twenty at the time I'd left was twenty eight, so. Um, I'd met my partner John, and John was well, certainly different because he'd moved with me to Liverpool, um, which was a, a huge step itself. 
and I had this, you know, I was I was trying to hide things, I suppose, in the workplace because I I had never been quite open. Um, I'd never been open with anyone regarding my relationships. So, or so do, do you mean in in life, or like with your family as well, or just in the workplace? I, I sort of came out to, to family and friends, you know, long before that. But always in a workplace, I've always felt I've had to sort of keep it within myself, you know. And that's not nothing down to any organisation being a bad org. It's just the way I've always sort of felt. Yeah, I've always felt. I'll keep it within the four walls, but of course you keep it within the four walls, then people keep saying, you know, who's your girlfriend and stuff, and then sure, the pressure keep, the pressure keeps adding on because you're thinking, oh, God. And then, but why, you know, why, why do you think you felt the maybe, even if it was just internal, the, the maybe pressure to to hide that part of yourself? To, to, to be honest, to this day, I, I still don't know. I I think it's just always me. I've, been, I've always been such a quite a private guy. Um Never been quite open um, as much as as much as I probably have been or or should be, um, and I've always sort of just had this pressure on me at any workplace I've been in, um, you know, whether it's been Amy or, or elsewhere before. Even I joined Amy in, in twenty eleven. Um, I've always had that pressure yeah, on me. Sure, yeah, I mean, you let's let. I mean, you're in a particular industry as well. Um, yeah. within sort of construction um, it's it's can yeah. be quite male dominated I mean even me coming in to do training around mental health I've had to think okay what's this audience going to be like um, what are, what are the sort of male codes as far as what we talk about and what we don't yeah. talk about and I wonder if that sort of stereotype or the idea of what that that industry is like kind of impacted your decision at all yeah, I would probably say yes in, in one aspect. Um, it's just that I think it's the overall. So I think the guy I am, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not camp or anything. I'm just, I'm just a guy, <laughs> to be honest. And, sure. You know, I'm not flamboyant about, you know, who I am or anything like that. Like that. And So people um, make assumptions. They assume you're straight or they assume you've yeah. got a wife at home or something like yeah. that. Yeah, the assumption of being straight, the assumption of a girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and so you just don't challenge the assumption. Yeah, I, I yeah, I don't challenge it. You know, I just, I, I suppose, I just let it be, um, which shouldn't shouldn't have been the case, I suppose, because I just put a, a ton of pressure on myself. That, yeah, because what's the impact over time of of maybe, you know, living a part of your life that's not authentic to you? Yeah, exactly, um, exactly, um, and I I lived that life for so so long. Um, and I'll probably say in still some instances I still do sometimes. You know, I, I don't really, I shouldn't come, I don't come out as much to, to people that are, that I maybe don't see on an everyday basis, you know, but because um, there's still that assumption there. It's like, oh, the girlfriend or the missus and you're kind of, the pressure becomes so much, you're just like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, would you say that over the years or, or when you were younger that you witnessed uh, people experiencing discrimination for their sexuality or that you experienced any of that sort of growing up? Um, not, not, not protect myself, I suppose. Well, you know, going back to my, my child, um, you know, I never, I suppose I never realised my sexuality until the age of 18, really. Sure. Uh, that was such a difficult time. Um, it was a massive difficult time. I... I probably start, started having thoughts, you know, probably about 15, about 2003 when I was 15, 16. And um, I, I was always a guy that, you know, I, I had this 
this impression that I'm going to have the nuclear family, you know, the wife, the kids, the house. Yeah. Um, that's what I always wanted. And I guess that was normalised. That's what people yeah. were expected to want. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I expected that, um, to be honest. And I, as, as time went through life, I, I realised it wasn't going to come the way I wanted it. Um, so, so what was that? Was that? Did that feel disappointing, or or what was that uh, like? Yeah, you know, I was in some. Yeah, there was some dark places then when I was in my teenage years, particular trying to work out who I was, work out how life was going. Um, and at, at the same time, I was having issues in my own personal family life. Um, so I was wondering uh, about that. Give us a little bit of context of, of what it was like growing up in, in your family. And, um, you know, do you, did your parents sort of prepare you for the real world? Did they have expectations of how your life would turn out? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, my my family was, was quite big to, to begin with. Um, I I grew up in a... In, the, in one household, I suppose, when I was, uh, you know, between the ages of zero and five, I, I grew up with my grand, my granddad, my mum. Unfortunately, I've never known my dad. Um, so I've never had a dad, really, in my life. Um, well, I knew that, but I've had my, I've had, you know, my mum met a partner through time and um, he stepped in, but yeah, as I go through, <laughs> through the story, that's, um, that's another issue as well. Right. Um, <laughs> I know. Such well, a, what, yeah. what I'm finding is that we all have a story, especially oh, interviewing people. <laughs> absolutely. Um, my aunt, um, we all stayed in one house. And then, you know, me and my mum, we, we went into another place ourselves and man moved on and the household sort of broke up. But I, I had such a strong relationship with my gran, um, a, a very strong relationship. Um, she passed away when I was, was eight. Um, oh. Yeah. And... I'll be quite honest. I've to this day, I've, I've never got over that. Um, mm. Never got over it. Um, I think it affected my me as a person. Huge. It was a, such a huge change. Um, I'm I'm curious when when huge grief hits a child at such a young age. Yeah. Did did your your mum or any family, or even your granddad? Um, sort of talk about the, the the grief or or your gran or did did people just kind of shut the conversation down because they were finding it difficult to deal as well um i think it was a bit, a bit of everything you know i think i probably think back to being a child I, I don't think anybody really asked how i how maybe i was um of course it would make sure i was okay in that but i don't think anybody actually ever said to me one time are you are you okay through this you know or, or that it's okay to feel what you're feeling or kind of talk yeah. about it or validate it. Yeah, it was kind of, you know, the, the cuddle here and the, the cuddle there and the, sure. the hugs and, and, and that. And, and don't get me wrong, that was that was fine. But I suppose maybe from a psychological point, it was still an effect. Mm, of course. And, and I, I, to be honest, I think that's followed me through my life. Um, that followed me through my life. I, I became quite an unhappy child, I think, um, yeah, you know, over that, over that space of time, and yeah, I, I realised, um, you know, I'd, I'd recently spoken to counsellors regarding that, and um, you know, I'd, I'd done things as a child that probably wasn't the norm, I would say, and that's, and that's when mental health really, really started. That's, yeah, that's yeah, when yeah. I, you know, that's 
and that's the thing because people always think you know you think of, of mental health issues just being a, a grown up you know and an adult but for, for me I was doing things that you know I shouldn't have been doing and just thinking as a, as a, a 10 year old child wait, going to sleep and, and hoping that I don't wake up in the morning I yeah so but, those dark thoughts kind of featured already yeah. then yeah absolutely and I, you know that's uh, something that always always stays with me kind of thing um did, did you ever not. did you ever tell anyone about that sort of thing when you were that young even if no. it was a teacher or a friend or someone no no I always kept it to myself always kept it to myself um and so that and builds it, up over time I, absolutely I was always one of the those even as a child and as a teenager and as as a young adult I I was always the case of the show goes on um just keep, and, keep going yeah yeah the show goes on and that's it you know you just get up and get on with it and get on with <laughs> it and then and then you're 18 and um I, I realize i've skipped a bit please fill in fill in any blanks oh, but yeah. i'm just remembering how you know with your sexuality but it's not only that it's this build-up of who am i where where do i belong am i normal can i talk about this stuff it sounds like a massive build-up of so many things yeah um and and through that, you know, my teenage years weren't too bad um, till probably about sixteen. Um, my my mum um, got married to a partner at the time, and um, things never worked out. Needless to say, um, and and they they broke they broke up, and probably my mum went into such a spiral to to this day that we don't speak. Um, oh. Yeah, we've not spoken since 2009 um, was the last time I spoke to her. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Did you get along with the partner or was was that part of we, the problem? Uh, we, we, we sort of still speak to this day. Yeah, we, we still speak oh. to this day. But um, we, we, we never spoke for a couple of years and then we, we, we sort of speak now because my, my brother's involved. So um, my mum had a another kid and that was my, my brother who's who's got a 10 year age gap between us so oh, right. that's back when I was, was younger she, she had him as well so um, but back when I was going through all those emotions and, and whatever else and, and trying to come to terms with myself my, my mum took such a downward spiral um, alcohol um, strangers coming in the house um, behaviours that just you just really well, didn't have the support at that stage for, from yeah. her, and she had her own stuff that she was dealing with. Yeah, yeah, she had her own stuff to deal with, but I, um, I suddenly had to become the man of the house, um, which I wasn't quite ready for. Sure. You know, no. I, I had just left school. I was in hopes of becoming a teacher or what I was going to do, and you know, um, life just just took such a an interesting turn at that point because my, my I, as I say, became the man of the house, but, um, you know, I was thrown out of the house several times because of my mum never liked the way I was trying to, trying to help her, I suppose, because that's, that's well, the situation. Yeah. It's, it's highlighting in a way that she's not coping if you're trying to help. Yeah. Even though that's yeah. all that you know how to do. Yeah. So I was, you know, thrown out of the house quite a few times. Um, to the extent I was almost, yeah, yeah, pretty much homeless. I was signed up to be to um, homeless shelter, um, 
which thankfully we never got to that stage because we, we managed to fix something just in time before that. Um, but the the process and the thoughts and that were, were, were all there, you know, and if it wasn't for friends from school at the time, I, I, I don't think I would have a, any. Well, my, aunt, my aunt's been quite a strong person in my life, so... But without any, any of those, I, I was sort of... And it, there's only so many times that you can feel that you can keep returning to those people, you know? That's uh, true. But if it's what's familiar to you... Uh, yeah. as, as damaging as it gets it's, it can be all that you know so yeah. you keep coming back you do the best you can and it slowly erodes your maybe your confidence or your self-worth yeah. or um, anything li- like that I mean so I mean this sounds just like a horrifically dark time and you're you're almost too young to to really have the skills or the knowledge of, about what's going on and you certainly don't have the skills to truly talk to anyone about this no. Um, so, so how the hell did you get through this time? It was the the case of the 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 show goes on, and uh, for my brother's sake, who was of course at home, <coughs> really young, such a child at the time, um, was was to, to 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 you know be there for him, and um, but I suppose that's when I I've now reached through these these years that I've, I've realised it's all caught up with me. Um, but, but but back then it was the show goes on and I'm you know I can cope with it and, and deal with it and be the guy and you know act don't, strong don't for everybody. It. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and just just get on with it, I suppose. But that, and, and the only time it shows up or, or in those sort of quiet moments when your thoughts maybe uh, get get dark or or damaging. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I suppose for for myself as well, I suppose I started drinking a bit more as well, and and just trying to block it out. And I was yeah, going out more often and and, and doing you know, not not drugs, but just drinking and drinking just to try and numb put, numb the pain, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but I I realised I had to, to change that as well, and I, you know I managed to to calm that down a good bit and and stop that. At the same time, it was, yeah, it was just, I'd, to this day, I still think to myself, and people still actually say to me, you know, how on earth did you cope with it? You know, I, uh, to, to be honest, I, I don't really have an answer for that. <laughs> you know, I just, that was, What's interesting is um, you, you can, you're extremely resilient. Um, you've, you've coped with um, certain things for so long, but you've alluded to the fact that there was a build-up and that it showed up as an adult when a stressful work environment um, just was your tipping point and you just yeah. couldn't cope anymore and were forced to um, maybe ask for help or do things a little bit differently. Yeah, uh, it, it's just, Isn't it funny? It just builds up sort of in your body and, and your mind. And I mean, I'd completely relate because um, growing up in sort of uh, an alternative uh, environment um, I would say that I coped, 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 coped. Everything was fine, 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 you know, um, until I had a kid. And that, that literally psychologically was my tipping point. Uh, yeah. And I couldn't uh, be strong enough anymore. And I certainly could on the outside. If you saw me on the outside, you'd be like, oh, everything's fine. Uh, because I worked really hard to make it look like everything was fine. Um, but in the ins- on the inside, that's when sort of my darkest thoughts of, you know, wanting to end my life were definitely featuring and how the hell do you tell someone that, you know, when on the yeah. outside everything looks fine and they'll probably just say, 
oh, well, if you just, it can't be that bad. There's people worse off, you know, things that people do to try and help. When, when really yeah. you're like, I just need somebody to validate how I feel and, and to, to help me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and most of the decisions I, I took in life was to try and help me. And that's that's what unfortunately led to me not speaking with my, my mum anymore. Um, and as I say, that happened in 2009 when um, I suppose I, we, we were starting to get on a, a little bit. She was still drinking, but and my the last... Um, situation I had was, you know, I came out to my mum, but the, the the final conversation I had was, or was, um, you know, I can't believe you're gay, and uh, you know. Oh, so so there was something in you coming out, and and her maybe not accepting that, or not reacting in a helpful yeah, way. Yeah, I, I think there was a bit of um, there was a reaction from it. Of eventually, um, not at first, but eventually, it it. Um, it became that, and she, you know, I had told her, but then she she told someone else in the family as well, and I felt very... Oh, violated? Exposed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, and even though the, the, I knew the person wouldn't have an issue with it, but... Mm, yeah, but it was robbing you of, you know, your own yeah. pace and process. Because, and Yeah, because it's uh, such a big, a big decision and such a big... It's huge, yeah. Yeah, to to come out in the first first place, um, and she'd done that, and then I, the big argument, the final time, and um, yeah, I, I'd put my house keys on the table, and I'd I'd walked out the door, and that's the last I spoke to my mum. That was in February two thousand and nine. Um, wow, and you, you're gonna you know take that pain with you in some capacity, you know, feeling um, maybe rejected or not understood yeah. with within this massive uh, transition that you're going through yourself. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's just followed me through the years. Yeah, um, that that was my my final um, decision was to walk away to to try and help me, um, because I don't know how far I was going to get pushed. You know, my my mum was threatened to commit suicide herself. She she never done it, but I picked her up from the hospital once, um, and then uh, thereafter, uh, you know, I'd, uh, after that conversation as well with her, I just decided that's. I can't do this anymore for, for my own sanity. For your own sanity, in order to to look after you, it's like you you could feel that you would be dragged into it uh, yeah. if you didn't. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I you know didn't know which which way my my life would go, kind of thing. So I had I'd moved out of the house. I'd moved in with um, someone who has been such a big influence now in my, in my life. Is I'd I'd, moved, I'd seen a, a room to rent on a in a house just down the road and. Uh, uh, she's been she's been absolutely wonderful. Um, she she loved herself. She's an elderly lady, but she's she's loved herself, and to, to this day we still speak because she's been such such a help. Um, How did she help? So, she she became my my gran effectively. Um, you know she she really did. She really became my my gran, and um, to to this day I still go and see her like my gran because. She, she, I think she, she had issues in her life as well, and I think she completely understood um, where I was, where I was coming from, because I think there were some similarities where in her background as well. So, um, she, she was there emotionally, support-wise, um, and and everything else. And to, you know, I'm so thankful for, for. I always think to myself, it's so strange how people enter your life, and I think they're they're almost. They're meant to come into your life for a reason, 
Um, and, and I certainly believe, you know, she came into my life for, for a reason because she, she really brought me a, a dark, dark hole, you know, and, and really helped me along the way. Um, certainly up, up until, you know, the past couple, few years, I would say that when I suppose depression really, really um, hurt me again. Um, and that was the, the biggest change, again, was because was I felt like I was maybe back on track Um between yeah, things were going well with your job and and your sort of success and all of that, and then uh, it, it all had come to a head in some way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'd had so much going on. My brother had been taken off. Um, you know, you know, through those years of two thousand nine, um, I think actually between two thousand seven and nine, my my brother was taken off. My mum, um, through social services. Um, I was I was doing one of that's when my my brother went back. To, to his dad, um, my mum's partner at the time, uh, well, ex-partner, sorry, um, uh, and that's how we, we sort of started speaking again through because of that situation, because um, I think it was an, an, an ultimate decision of where my brother was going, was was he going with me or was was he going with with his dad, so... Oh, wow. Um, yeah, which was... <laughs> a lot. Another, yeah, yeah, for... for and not just... For Go go ahead. Sorry, I, I suppose for a guy who had never really grown up, um, yeah, it was quite a lot as well, you know. So yeah, so he went with his dad. Thankfully, and he's you know he's he's developed into being a, a great a great guy now as well. He he works hard and, and whatever else. So so things have turned out okay. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So thankfully, there, you know, I, I believe my mum's doing well. My mum still speaks to my aunt, so um, I've got quite a tight, close relationship with my aunt because. She's always had quite a mother, motherly influence, uh, even as a child and, and through the years. Um, particularly when I was having a rough time as well. Um, she, she's had a my aunt and uncle have had a mum and dad figure on me, so you know I reference them as mum and dad because they've been that close and that emotionally supportive to me. So um, they support me throughout yeah. absolutely everything. So, but it was it was through the years that it started. That's I suppose you know in twenty fifteen. 15 as I say 14, 15 I, I, you know 15 I took my promotion and work mm-hmm. and my my partner John started seeing it in me he started seeing that I was I don't I don't think I particularly put on all my job but I think the changes of everything that was going on and certainly the stress of the job at the time because um, the stress of everything else started catching up with me um, and as you said, being, you know, feeling like you had to hide certain things in your, you know, role in the workplace. Uh, yeah. So it just, it's almost like a split between who you were able to present at work and all the other stuff from your past and your present yeah. and the life that you were leading. And I see that quite frequently that that sort of um, culminates in a depression experience, just that yeah. like inauthenticity. Yeah. And as I've I've spoke about hiding my sexuality in the workplace, if people were asking about mum and dad, um, mum and dad was related to my aunt and uncle, because um, I never wanted to speak about the real issues with my mum or anything. So you, you, there was oh, double right. life, yeah. double yes, a whole double life. Oh my god, I relate so much. <laughs> yeah, because um, you think yeah. that that it's simpler that way to present that side of yourself, but really you've got to lock up the vulnerability, you've got to lock up the reality, you know, in such a big way and even isolate yourself from maybe social situations where you think it might come out. Uh, absolutely. 
absolutely. And there was a couple of times that I felt that came out through through the through. I'm just sort of jumping back as well to 2012. Is uh, I remember being in a a situation in in that it um, affected my mates because I was I was on my, my two best friends at the time um, in a in a flat and we we decided to have people um, which was couch surfing at the time and. I I had a bit of a breakdown over it, and it was um, I suppose it was due to the fact that my mum was having strangers in when I was a teenager. I realised for bringing strangers back in the household. So these are these are when the, the for me is was twenty twelve was a big turning point in my life. I started seeing how all those years of between you know two thousand five onwards of being the man in the show must go on. How these things started affecting me later on and life yeah with the the this little triggers of sort of regular day-to-day stuff but now it's yeah. much bigger because of all that stuff that you've not dealt yeah. with yeah the the hiding of life you know the, the the hiding your identity really you're hiding you know your family circumstances you've been hiding the past and it's a you lot know. a lot of like shame so when when we feel and we've talked about this before yeah. when you feel shame you you isolate yourself and um, and, and you don't give yourself the opportunity to really connect with people and find out that they have stories too and find that sort yeah, of yeah. bonding within that. Yeah, and I, I think that's something that we, we may be doing the workplace. We just go to work to be to go to work kind of thing, but we we never look really behind the person who's sitting behind that desk sometimes. Um, well, like we miss out on so much. And even to yeah. be more productive at work and to feel like mentally healthy and have a good mindset and have a good team... Uh, team dynamic we sort of miss some of that when we don't know the real person yeah absolutely absolutely so what, uh, what, what got you through this time so we've for just for the sake of time I really just want to draw out yeah. you know what changed so you've got this massive horrific so many different elements to to your childhood your identity and the idea of what it means to be a man and you know to, to just the show must go on and not ask for help um, but yeah. obviously you crashed and, and you can look back and say it was d- depression like at what point who did you go to for help? What what made you actually go? Fuck this! I need to get some help. I was driving down the M6 one day. Um, I I had just came out. Of, I think I'd actually just done an exam because I was doing my health and safety stuff at the time, and my phone was just red hot. You know, it was just absolutely going mental. Emails and. At the time I was in Manchester, I was going to Manchester to Birmingham. Um, my phone was still going; it was still going. It was wet. I'd, I, I don't know. I'd missed a cut. I, I remember driving, and I'd, I'd missed a cut off. And I, I had, I, I realised if I'd missing that cut off was putting an extra half an hour on my time, kind of thing. Which is and not the end of the world if we think about it. No, no. But for some reason, that day just was the day I, I remember specifically driving next to I was on the M6 and I drove I was driving beside a truck and I was looking at that truck going I could just drive my car under that truck and yeah you know that that was that's the moment I realized I was in a dark dark place you know I such a dark place um because I, I wasn't just for a minute. I thought about it. I, I, I drove and I drove and I, I looked at every single truck, thinking, "This could be it." Yeah, yeah. I could just solve my problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I managed to get to Birmingham 
I got to the hotel and I I crumbled. I just crumbled into a heap that day. And I, I phoned my, my partner and um and my partner just said enough, you know, just that that's it. And I also spoke to my dad and um well my, my uncle, sorry, um and and he says to me, I've never heard you like this before. So just just come home and not home at Liverpool, but just come home to Glasgow. Mm. Uh, and yeah, that that for me was was the the day that I I had to resign. I had to to come come away. I had to take a massive step back. It just and, wasn't, and look, wasn't worth it anymore. No, and and looking in hindsight, I you know my partner says, "Oh, maybe you know how would you have dealt with it differently?" I says, "Well, you know, I, I should have spoke to him. I spoke. I should have spoke more to people and." I should have um, just went went on sick, you know. I should have just, but I had always been this guy. Yeah, the show the, the show goes on, and he's never going to let his pride hurt him, you know. He's never going to he's never going to show it, so he's just going to resign, and that's it. So, did you feel like resigning? You could still keep your pride somehow, or keep your head held high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I hide it, hide it again, hide it again. I yeah. mean, but to, but it took great courage and well, or desperation, probably a bit of both, to at least talk to your partner and your your uncle, dad. Um, yeah, yeah. Just to you know, I mean, I feel like just for people listening, if they're in that dark place, you know, hold on, get to where you need to go, talk to yeah, somebody, yeah. just to say I'm I'm done. I don't, you know, show that vulnerable side, and and that obviously was the starting point for for getting the help that you needed. Absolutely, and it's as it you know that I think that message you just relayed there was 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 perfect. To be honest, and it is just just hold on and try and get to your try and get to that next place, try and get to that next destination of of where you need to be, and 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 just and just speak to someone, you know, speak to someone and say enough, I've I've had enough, and and. And try and get the help that you need, because um, that's certainly what happened with myself. I, I resigned. I returned to Glasgow, and you know my my doctor diagnosed me with with depression, um, and I was put on antidepressants, um, you know, and spoke to to counselling and, and whatever else. But I I mostly started opening up to my partner, um, and and I suppose. That's, that was the turning point with my partner, you know, in, in realising I was going to have a life with him. And, and for him to be in my life, he has to understand... Mm, all of you. The road the road that I've been on, you know. How how did it lead up to that day? Because my, my partner met me when I was, you know, getting my promotion uh, and right. Amy and, and, and everything else. And he, and he, must, he must have thought, oh, God, he's, he kept saying, you're such a strong... How do you do it? And Yeah, yeah. Successful, you're in a good place, everything. Yeah. Absolutely, and um, and I thought he needs to know pretty much that all in order to understand me, you know, in order to get me through. And it sounds through. like he he was really there for you. Yeah, yeah, he was. You know, and he's, he's still always there for me on a day to day basis. Um, but yeah, I got the help that I, that I needed from there, and 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 from that that was such turning points, such turning points, it was such a such a vivid, vivid memory, but it was such a yeah. Don't let things build up. That's what my partner's message to me was, and 
I think that's the message I, for anybody listening, is the, the message I need to put out there is... Don't let it build up. Yeah, don't, let, don't bottle up because the bottle will just explode as you keep building it up and keep building it up because, as, as I said before, I, I like to look at the brain as... It's a big, massive. It's a, it's a bit of, you know, it's a pile of dirt, and you keep adding dirt on, you keep adding dirt on, you keep adding dirt on, but eventually that's just going to collapse, and that's that's the way I looked at my brain that day because I remember my my mind being so fuzzy and being so foggy, mm, like was, overwhelmed. Yeah, it was almost like I just, I just don't know how to put it. It was just my mind that day was just so fuzzy. So, it's so it's almost like you, you, your mind just starts to shut down because it yeah. can't cope with, with sort of anything else if, if it doesn't have a release um, that allows you to fully be yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I was on the motorway and I kept thinking, yeah, I should get myself off and, and maybe take a break. But I just wanted to get to the destination because I felt that's where I could probably get the help that I needed. You know, I just can't, I just, despite I had the, all these thoughts in my head, been on that motorway but I just felt like I need to get to the hotel room I need to get to the room that's what was keeping me going what a scary experience I mean I've just got chills the whole time you were talking um because I think a lot of us who've had that suicidal sort of moment uh just will relate with how lonely and dark uh and desperate that place is yeah and it, it was it's it was the, the mind almost just went into this one-track mode. It just went in a one-track mode. Well, it's because it wants to stop the pain, right? And, and yeah, yeah. it it's, doesn't know how else to stop it. And so it feels like the only option, which is, is just a scary place to be. Um, take, bring us back to, to the present. And I'm, I'm curious about what you do now to look after your mental health. And I'm also curious about how authentic you're able to be in the workplace now. Does that have any impact on on who you are or how you're able to to cope in life now? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, since I since I've been in Amy, I joined as I spoke to you about. I joined the British Transport Police. Um, I was a police officer, and I, you know, my great belief was was helping people because um, suicide and railway are particularly high. Um, and I always think it's a, you know, such a tragic way to, to go for for that person and for their family. Um, yeah, you know, that was one of the helping ways I, I always thought is, was join the police to, to help that way. Um, yeah, I mean, I loved that part of your story when I first met you and just how you, you give back and are so passionate about this topic now. Yeah, absolutely. And then... You know what? I, I, I left the police to, to come back to Amy because I've got a great love for the company. Um, great, but, and just it's so interesting that you've come back to the company that you resigned from. Yeah, yeah. I I, I came back in a, a safety role because I, I I love I love health and safety. You know, and that 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 sort of took over the police, and I I had this great passion that I thought it's just back to my first conversation was health and safety. Yep. Let's not focus almost on the safety aspect all the time. Let's focus also on the health. And if I want to keep making that impact, I feel I felt that I could make a bigger impact in the workplace by focusing on those issues and situations, particularly within the health, but also looking at the safety and looking at the, the connection. Of course. of course. And within that industry, I mean, it's just um, 
so so valuable to have somebody on the inside in that way you know the impact is is amazing that you could have yeah uh, uh, absolutely and um that so that's you know that's what brought my brought me back and then as i seen the the amy created the mental health ambassador program that was my, my chance to jump in um you know and, and certainly if people don't want to speak about it you know then that's fine but i i believe that just just to even have someone know that they're there that you can go and speak to is is such a great thing it sounds like you're a lot more open now just about who you are and your experiences yeah absolutely and i speak to people and I, you know i say to people why why you know why did you resign from amy well I, you know i talk about i don't go into detail but i i say the day i left i sort of had a mental breakdown you know i yeah i had a mental breakdown and but but from then and from now, I, I certainly help it on a, a day-to-day basis. As I just as I said said earlier, I um, I speak to my partner more openly. Um, I I don't try and bottle it up, even though sometimes I still get into trouble for for bottling things up. Well, habits are hard to break, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but I don't certainly bottle up as much as what I used to. Sure. Um. I, I look at the, the apps, um, like Headspace, was it? Yeah. Do you? Yeah, yeah. Headspace, yeah, yeah, mindfulness, yeah. 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 Um, I, I use those as well, which are great. Um, I, I, do, you, do you think you are who you are today because of the adversity that you've faced? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I, I only think, continue to, to believe that it's going to make me the person I am as, as the years go on. And a lot stronger person that I'm going to be through the years is, is by by trying trying to, to to put the message out there, you know, um, don't bottle up and, and and just try and speak to someone. Just try and try hold on and, and and get to wherever you've got to go. And and if you don't have a person to speak to, you know, there's agencies out there that you can you can speak to as well. Um, so you know, certainly do that. I I've also got. A, you know, um, I've opened up a, a website, effectively as well as Be Open, um, which I'm, I'm hoping to do a lot more work on. But um, Be Open is, is for individuals like myself who struggled with sexuality and that maybe don't want to turn to an LGBT banner, um, particularly yeah, because, because uh, as I say, sometimes that's a bit difficult as well. Um, sure. It feels uh, like a label or, or something as well. Yeah, yeah. I always believe in, in don't put labels on things. So, um, you know, I, I hope that for, for me, creating be open, or maybe, to, and it's, as I say, it's not been fully worked on as of yet. It's sort of been put in the back burner. But I, I hope that even if people look at it, they, they feel free to message because that's, that's what I want people to do is just don't bottle up and, and speak if you've got to speak because I just think it's, it's so easy just to bottle up and just. So you're, I mean, what's clear is your, your adversity and in a similar way for me, like my, my whole career and, and, and even this podcast, you know, it's, it's something that's very much driven from, from that, from the darkest place in my life. And it sounds like your, your passion, both within your work and outside of it is completely driven by you being in the darkest place of your life. Yeah. 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 Totally. Because as as I say, uh, if I feel that I can try and, and influence or help or, or, or anything to anyone who, who needs it out there or, or even for me to, to even just to turn to people as well because we you know we we, we still need people right yeah absolutely absolutely I hate it sometimes but we do <laughs> yeah 
you know, as much as we're 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 there to listen to people and, and try and help, but we we still need it as well. And that's that's what it is. It's having that message, but you know that I can turn to to you, you can turn to me, or yeah. Well, it's leading by example, right? Yeah, it's not, exactly. We don't know everything. It's just going, hey, I need to put these steps in place to look after my mental health. Um, it, and that might give you permission to, to sort of do the same. Yeah, it, exactly. And, I, you know, for for anyone who who I either work with uh, as being a mental health ambassador or even, even my mates um, or for anybody listening, um, yeah, I just want, I just want people that, to know that they can open up and and talk you know that's lovely you so, can where, start, so what what's the full sort of website or where can people can people find you on social media at all yeah um there is um be open um i think it's be open.org um, yeah. well we'll find uh, out and we'll put it in the the podcast notes so people can, yeah, can find yeah. it yeah absolutely um or if, if people want to find me on on, on linkedin um certainly mark cook and um, they'll, they'll find me there or or Facebook, or Facebook, um, which I'm, I wonder, um, MD Cook. You know, people can also find me there. So, get in touch. Cool. Well, we'll, we'll add that all um, to to the notes. Um, Mark, you're an absolute inspiration. Uh, it's such a pleasure listening to you and um, hearing your journey. I connect with so much of what you're saying, and I, and I know that you have a powerful message, especially for young men out there um, yeah, who yeah. are just holding on to everything, and it's okay to let go. It's okay yeah, to yeah. talk about it. Thank you Absolutely. so much for your story and for your toys. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you so much for listening. If something helped you today, please do share this episode with a friend and let them know that they are not alone. I know that for me, isolation kept me stuck much longer than I needed to be. So let's practice courage and talk to someone about what's going on, as that's the first step to making life amazing. Check out my website, petravelsboer.com, for your free Kickstarter plan, which will teach you to turn your biggest weaknesses into your greatest strengths. Join the community of people who are changing the way they view life's challenges and living life to the full. Until next time, goodbye.